Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of the fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Oh, hello, Banjo. It's great to be having a chat. How's the US going? Legitimately, I where we talk about football, I until recording this podcast, I did not even ask you how your trip is going. <laughs> yeah. That's I where our friendship's at. I have not been in contact with you, but I have not spoken to you about my trip. Um, yeah, no, it's been good. Went down to DC for a week, got my nerd on there, looked at the Capitol building, the Lincoln Memorial, that kind of stuff. Flipped the yeah. bird at the White House. Um, <laughs> did you now? Of course, I'd be very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, it was like a whole line of us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, did that. Then uh, headed back to New York. Yeah, about a week away from the wedding, so it's good. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. And been keeping up to date with the football world, I assume. Watching it closely. Yes, yes, yes. It's actually weird. So because I'm. It's kind of like a 12-hour delay. When you wake up in the morning, there is so much information. Ah, <laughs> oh, so you just get up of, and just do a big scroll through Twitter and, and stuff. Yeah, but a, a couple of times, it's like this lag of, like, I find something out about six hours later than I would have normally, uh, like six hours after I wake up, because there's so much you don't get to at all. Um, <laughs> but, like... For instance, Taylor Garner bashing a bloke in a Sydney pub. Yeah, I, I had to tell you about that, didn't I? Or, yeah. No, you, had you already heard that? That is. Yeah, I had already heard it, but I hadn't heard the full story. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a bummer. Yeah, he's bit, doing well. Just, just adding of, to the con- just adding to the of, controversies in the AFL at the moment. <laughs> There's yeah. a few of them going on. Whole lot of North Melbourne news so far, though. There was uh, we've officially contacted John Longmire, according to Liam Pickering. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, finally he, been admitted. Yeah, this is just the most open secret going around. And yep. uh, our footy bosses uh, had a Brad Scott-like park, uh, parting of ways where it was probably he got the sack, but we've made it seem like he left of his own accord. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, that happened today as well. Oh, yes, the sad thing is, these days. Like, you would definitely be still more up with the football world than I am. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. That's that what's really sad. possibly true. Oh, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Although Melbourne won, so I'm a little bit up and about. I did watch Access All Areas. I've watched the highlights of the Melbourne game once or twice. Not much more outside of that, but yeah, no, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. But anyway, let's get into Without the podcast. Without my firm hand to guide you, you just don't you don't lift your weight sometimes. So. <laughs> no, I've got I've got to inform you this week. I've got to let you know everything that's going on. As soon as anyway. I get back, you are not leaving the pub watching football just that whole weekend. I'm going to make you. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, no. Well, maybe if Melbourne win nine of the next nine, I might be up and about. So, anyway, on to Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, everyone's favourite segment. The title of the segment comes from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit? And we normally give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless games of the round. We'll, we'll be back to that next week, but during the buy rounds, we're just giving one Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. This week, there are a few that were quite tight around the top, but... We have given it to Sydney defeated Hawthorne by 19 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? I'm going to challenge you on this, Banjo. Last week, you went with your Kane Corns big call of the week. That, what was it? Uh, Essendon Hawthorne was the most boring fixture ever. You reckon this, this is, is the more most... boring. For sure. These are the two of the most boring teams to watch in the competition. And they're buddy. irrelevant. Yeah, but, oh, but you don't want to be saved by an injury to make a game slightly interesting. That was the oh, only no, thing. That... I, I don't mean Buddy getting injured, but like, oh, this has that... Buddy. <laughs> uh, is that really that big a draw card that it transcends? 
Essendon overall are a more interesting team to watch than Sydney, surely. Hey, but Sydney have Papley, my boy. Yeah, Papley's quite good to watch, yeah, I guess. You're reaching after that. You're reaching after that. I suppose Heaney's reasonable to watch. He's one sort of exciting player. But then there's a a bunch of Jake Lloyds and Callum Mills and all of that. It's bloody boring football, mate. The the only thing that I really heard out of this game was the... Did you see the incident? Keeping you informed, Banjo. Did you see the incident where the uh, two Sydney defenders didn't... Oh, I did, yes. I also watched Access All Areas, so I'm as up to date on this. Ah, yeah, okay. That is (laughs) quite funny. That was hilarious. Sicily's reaction was just brilliant, just just pushing Dane Rampy, going, you idiot. <laughs> and of course it was old mate Rampy. He is the, he'd have to be the strangest footballer in the competition. He's sure. having a good year with just moments, so many nightmares within it. Like, all these moments are just, they're sort of adding up now, but his overall year has been pretty good. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a very good footballer, but he just he just has inexplicable things, which is yeah. there's no logic to them. Is the thing he's just he's just a strange individual. To be I fair, have, this one was only half his fault. I forget who the other bloke <laughs> should have gone for it. Was it Sinclair? Might have been. Might have been. Yeah, both of those should have gone for it. Yeah, no, it <laughs> was it wasn't a great moment. I've bloody heard all this talk now about a Sydney a chance to have a big run at finals. It's ridiculous. This is people buying into what Sydney have been in the past. Like, they are not a good team at all. They, yes, they've managed to get games into a bit of an arm wrestle. They've managed to win games that, you know, good on them. But, like, there is no chance they're coming home now and making finals. Where are they now? 14. They're They're below North and Hawthorne, who are two very bad teams. Yeah. And And their percentage is worse than Hawthorne's. And their percentage is worse than ours, marginally. but (laughs) Very marginally. (laughs) But like, so North have had a nightmare run, and we're still at the same point of them, and we are no chance of making finals. Like, yeah, I, yeah. And to me, you, and I would say I would, again. I would say you're more likely to make finals than Sydney, to be honest. I mean, you're both. You make the argument on both teams that they're one percent to point five percent. Yes, exactly. But you made it. Both teams went through the struggling patch, and now they seem to be sort of coming out of it and getting some momentum yeah. together. So that's that's where these arguments are coming from. But uh, your best footy has looked a lot more convincing than Sydney's, I think. Sydney just turned it into an arm wrestle, and our buddy's injured again. Yeah, and and nah, they don't quite they don't have the talent they used to to be able to turn that arm wrestle and get over the line. And that's kind Especially of how they when buddy's quite injured. A, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the takeaways for Hawthorne, they're just ordinary, right? Oh, We've yeah. been saying that for a while. Absolutely, they're ordinary. Oh, I, well, let's I, move on. Gold yep, jacket, I, green jacket. I think so. Because I was a bit gold jackety. Yep, exactly uh, right. But yeah, next up, West Coast defeated Essendon by 35 points, if I did my maths correctly. Uh, all I heard was it should have been at least 10 goals, but West Coast, after kicking straight all year, just had that abandoned them. Yeah, pretty accurate. That's pretty much what happened. It, in a lot of ways, it was a very imposing performance from West Coast. They were absolutely dominant out of the middle. Their tall forwards really got going again. I tell you, Kennedy looked ominous. There was a patch in the second quarter where whenever the ball was in his vicinity, he'd launch at it, hands would be sticky, and then he he, he was missing them. But it still kind of felt... Five. Yeah. And he, I think he, I think at one stage it was like 1-5 or something. But like... Yeah. Even his kicking, he wasn't he wasn't shanking them. He was just yeah. getting them a little off. He had one shot from like 50 out on the boundary. This was during this patch when he kept missing. Yeah. And like so nearly kicked it, like absolutely flushed it and just missed it. And you thought like his kicking is not far off at all. And like yeah. if that comes together, 
Like he is back in town. And well, God, it's the, been the different... sort of two years since we've had him really being imposing, hasn't it? Like even yeah. last year was below his best. But last year was more year... of a darling centric forward loan. Yeah, but he had injuries last year. He still had patches. Oh, that's, where, that's what I mean. I don't, yeah, when I don't it, think it's been yeah. because he's been bad or anything like that. He's yeah, just when he's been actually injured been for a while. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. But like, you just know by watching the game, just the difference with a team who had a couple of key forwards who legitimately could just pluck a mark out of nowhere yeah. with him and Darling. It was like that they could just bomb it in there and they would be a chance of kicking a goal, which there are a lot of teams at the moment who are doing that regularly and just look like nowhere near it. So like that, that was what was a bit scary about them. This, this was definitely the most impressive performance I've seen from from West Coast this year. But like Essendon were just nowhere near it. Yeah, uh, they desperately need Danaher back, but it's good, not good. The Jungle Drums are really beating about worse fold now, though, aren't they? Like, <laughs> are they? I, I feel like they Lloyd, were kind of... Lloyd and Watson both want him gone. Yeah, Lloyd's been real hot on it all year. He's just yeah, not convinced. He is right. Like, uh, the dude has not done a right. good job. He, he, did a great, <sighs> he did a great job in sort of repairing the club after the drug yeah. stuff. But he hasn't been. He's I, he's not in a position to turn them into a contender. I don't think. I don't think he's got the ability. Yeah, there was there was a lot of hype around them around their preseason, like yeah. a lot of hype. People thought there was a chance they were just going to explode up into top four, and they look yeah. a long way off that at the moment. Um, so like I at, yeah, you would have to say he's under a bit of pressure. I don't think we're at that point now where he's definitely going to be sacked or anything like that. I reckon I'll, I'll be surprised if he makes it through the year. Yeah, they'd have to finish in the way that they did last year, I guess. Yeah, and even then, if you're doing that consistently and missing finals, at a certain point you stop, you stop like forgiving with that run. Uh, it's probably another other, year before that happens. If they that don't, happens. they don't really have an excuse either. There was a little period of time when we were saying Essendon are injured, but to be honest, it was. It was about they three players. Danaher, Smith. No, I mean, you They've can't bank on Danaher. Now. Yeah, that's true. That's about it. Their injury list, if you look, it's it, it has all year been short. Yeah. There has been a few big names on there from time to time, but no one for more than, like, Shear was injured for a couple of weeks. Stringer has been in and out, but he hasn't, like, missed the whole year. Danaher and Devin Smith are the two, really. Outside yeah. of that, it's, it, it's no worse than an average injury list. No, they're not, and there's they been, been some teams that have been absolutely monstered by it, and they're not yeah. one of them. So it's kind of in the scope of things that they do not get to really plead that as an argument. No, they um, should be better than they are, for sure. Yeah. Uh, for West Coast, we'll get to Collingwood later, but they're kind of doing the same thing Collingwood's doing. They're just going, and they're around the mark. If they get it together, which with Nick Nat coming back soon, and yeah, Nick with sort of a bit... With a bit of uh, defensive stability, which they seem to be putting together, they were a bit fragile for a while. They could easily be timing their run perfectly. Yeah, well, I've been in agreement with you. I, I will say I thought this week was the best performance I've seen from them. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit scary with Nick Nat coming back next week. Yeah. I've got, I've, I, I have heard an argument. I think I heard it from Terry Wallace during the week saying, I just don't think they're a strong enough team to go back-to-back. They just don't seem like a back-to-back team. And I, I, I do get that argument. They're not at that level of a Hawthorne or a Brisbane back in the day, and it's tough to go back-to-back. But, like, 
Oh, I think they can. I think they've placed themselves in a dangerous enough position that if they peak at the right time, they're, they're, they're a real chance to shoot up. But, like, if, if they go back-to-back, back, we'll just, like, sort of retcon our opinion of them and be like, oh, of course they were going back-to-back, back, look at their list, and we'll just... Our mm. opinions of players will be changed. I think that Perhaps, they're, not yeah. dominant, they're not dominant like Geelong were in 2008 where you think this team's going back-to-back back, or Collingwood even in 2011 where yeah, that's you sort point. of, you can really see and you see them in the moment as dominant. But plenty of... No, there's not plenty of teams mm. that go back-to-back, back, but we'll just change what our opinion of them and we'll yeah. adjust like we always do. Yeah, it's you're right. A lot of it is retrospective. We're looking back on the Hawthorne team yeah. now, saying they're that good because they have all these players who are four-time premiership players. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that, that look, is a good point. Brisbane in 2002, would we have felt they didn't finish top either year. Port were, yeah. had come out of yeah. nowhere and were looking really strong. Like, is that particularly different in the moment than West Coast if they go on to win? Maybe. Good point, Ben. You make a good argument. I'm quite impressed with you on that one, Banjo. You've you. done well right over from the US. You're, you're on the ball. <laughs> Bring stuff. a fresh a, uh, Atlantic perspective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the Cane Corns Call of the Week where we make a mass, or we look at a massive call made by the media and then make one of our own just to uh, dip our own toes in the hot take uh, stew that everyone likes to participate in. That was one of my <laughs> weirdest interactions I've ever had. That, that does come to you off the top of your head. I, I don't know where your brain goes. Anyway, each to their own, Banjo. Each I couldn't think own. of, like, you know the word, like, milieu? I couldn't remember how to pronounce it. So the French-looking one? So I said stew because it, like, rhymes that, with That it. was how you got to that one. Oh, God. Oh, Banjo. Are you sure you're not still jet-lagged? I'm claiming it. I'm claiming jet lag. <laughs> it's been a week, but I'm claiming it. All right. <laughs> anyway, Why, what is it this week? Uh, this week, we're going with Ben Dixon, who has just... He has to be a newbie, like, doesn't he? Into oh, yeah. The he, segment, for he sure. doesn't have the profile to say yeah. enough stupid stuff for us to pay attention. He could say yeah. a lot of stupid stuff, and we just wouldn't care. But yeah. uh, he said something incredible this week. He says, I reckon that Clarkson will leave at the end of the year and go coach Carlton. That's massive. <laughs> so his like his logic behind this is that thing of people say this all the time. This coach needs a new challenge. He's the sort of person who needs a new challenge. You know what? That's code isn't for? Hawthorne a challenge at the moment? Yeah. Isn't turning the, the, them around a challenge? Is, this is code for Hawthorne are awful, and we think he'll jump ship because why would you waste your time with them? But why would Spe- he waste his time with Carlson? Oh, because like they got a talented list, but that—that's not his. Ar- his argument was he wants a new challenge. Yeah, like it's as if he's trying to find true. something harder. Where what you're saying is it's potentially easier to get Carlton. Would you say Carlton are closer to a flag than Hawthorne? Yeah, I'd rather coach Carlton than Hawthorne if I was Gee. Alistair Clarkson. If I was good, like if if I was a good coach who was confident in my ability to turn stuff around and like. Clarkson's reputation will clear out a lot of the nonsense that goes on there with power brokers and whatnot. I'd rather coach Carlton. Clarko's been very hot on the being loyal to Hawthorne thing. He's been yeah, really I, I strong. Yeah, I don't blame him at all. Like, so, yeah. He would have an attachment similar to how we would to like the football clubs we go for and a lot of people have yeah, that yeah. Just emotional connection to it. And I wouldn't like pay me a shitload of money and I wouldn't change clubs. <laughs> like, yeah. I get that entirely. It's just this sort of... 
not irrational because he's been so successful. It was just his loyalty to it, and I applaud it to be honest. I think mm. also uh, Carlton are being rumored to offer him two million a year, which that's a reason to go. There's an interesting thing happening at the moment with there's a lot of talk about coaches going from one club to another. Like we're saying, it seems almost certain that Brad Scott's going to be coaching another club next year. We're not talking about the yeah. Clarko will go to another club. Can you think of another example of that happening immediately apart from Ross Lyon? It doesn't normally uh, happen like that. Whoa. It's become like a they, real they like... There probably thing. were quite a few in like the 80s and stuff. Yeah, okay. Wild yeah. West where they poached stuff. Like There's probably like a Tom Hafey example or something like that. Park and one of those guys are coached. Yeah, Hafey. yeah, yeah. Uh, Barassi and Kennedy and guys like that. But um, yeah, in recent Malthouse history, even took a year to go to yep. Carlton. Yeah. Um, Walsfold had a significant amount of time off. Yeah. He, he was not someone who jumped into another club. He no. he finished at West Coast and then later on, he, the idea came up to go to Western, and so he did. It, it, I don't know this weird like merry-go-round that they're talking about. Yeah. Mark Thompson, I guess, it. went to an assistant coach, and that's kind of like it, but yeah. it's different. Yeah. Yeah. How long was oh, he weird. out before he went to the Gold Coast? Or even a little while, I think. A little dogs. while. Yeah. It it doesn't happen a lot, but we seem to have become this really like exciting thing to talk about. But anyway, my uh my wanna hear my cane corns call. Sure, 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 sure. I thought I may going. as well just jump on the wagon with everyone else. Sorry, Buckley will go to Carlton. I mean, if Clarko's yeah. gonna go to Carlton, if bloody Scott's going to St Kilda, I mean, if all of this stuff's happening, why not Buckley to Carlton? He might want a new challenge. He's, you know, he's had enough time at Collingwood. He just might want to have a chance. At, you know, it'll be an interesting thing going to the rival, build up a bit of controversy, and then win out on that challenge. Why not? Why not? That's what's happening at the moment. It is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the merry-go-round that just that doesn't actually happen, is in full swing. Like, People are just they're trying to outdo each other at the moment on the coach thing. It's as if once two yeah. coaches have been sacked or have left, it's just become like there's blood now. Like People just really want to get on, on it at the moment. So, yeah, why not? Buckley to Carlton, I reckon. But, like, all in all honesty, when was the last coach who won the flag that was at their second club? It was Malthouse? Yep. So it's like there's not like there's this track record of it working no, either. That we're... No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. It, it really doesn't happen. And then no, when it does, it's not particularly successful normally. But I don't know. It is exciting, I guess, the idea of it. But yeah. yeah. Clark Oda Carlton is a very interesting one. Just, but anyway, just, what's as, uh, just as a quick aside, I think I said when Brad Scott and Bolton left that there could be up to five coaches sacked. I think there's four that are reasonably two gone, two more that are quite likely. And I saw a dog yeah. supporter, yes, it was only on Twitter and had no connection to the club, say he would be surprised if Beveridge coached next year. Ah, no, nah, Bevo will still be there. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of angst amongst the dogs. Yeah, maybe. There's a bit of angst amongst the dogs. Supporters, though. There were, there were none Anecdotally. sacked last year. All of a sudden, everyone's getting sacked. It's ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. can, can you please give us a Kane Corns call that's not uh, related to coaches leaving clubs? Yes, it's not going to be something particularly fresh, though, because we have had this argument about 15 times. But uh, Tom McDonald is 10 times the player Mason Cox is. He was best on ground uh, in your game, according to Access All Areas. And I believe that as gospel. And just the one game sample size, Mason Cox only kicked two. Don't know how many Tom McDonald kicked, but it must have been more. Um, 
And so just clearly the better player, just a supremely talented player, really straightened you up. And as soon as he plays well, you win. So um, I think you owe him an apology, really. I don't, I don't understand, Banjo. Has this come from you wanting to talk about Tom McDonald, or has this come from you just wanting to troll Mason Cox? I don't... Or is it just it's a bit of both? perfect marriage. It's peanut what? butter and jelly. What is the... So that... <laughs> I feel like you have a specific... I can't believe you didn't like, my, uh, didn't like my US style culinary yeah, reference. Okay. <laughs> uh, mate, Tommy McDonald's game. I don't know if we were going to talk about this during the Melbourne game, but it's next anyway, so we may as well just sort of get it Transition. out Mate, he really, really struggled for three quarters. And, like, I have to be fair to him. His last quarter was brilliant. He was the difference in the game, and he won us the game. So, overall, had a great day. But he looked horrendously out of form. Like, he could not get near taking a mark for most of the game. He turned it over every time the ball went anywhere near him. He, He looked so out of form. And then it's just like a few things just came off for him in the last quarter. You look at it, and he had 28 touches, three goals. Jeez. So, like, but yeah, he worked up the ground and got a lot of the ball, but they were useless ball, and they were bad ball. Like, he, he was turning it over. He was he was bad the three quarters. And then he, yeah, he kicked two in the last couple of minutes, which won us the game. Unbelievable. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, Tommy McDonald. And that's the story is now he's come out of his form slump. Tom McDonald's turned it around. <laughs> Turn it up. because yeah, it's so and easy it, to read his stat line and be like, yeah, great game. Must I have been great. I get that that's the story. I understand. But, like, there's every chance next week he's going to be terrible again. And we'll be like, oh, all right, Tom McDonald is, is struggling. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he gets a – this is, like, his spark and he gets some belief back and plays like last year. But I'm certainly not confident on it. All he has to do is finish the season with more goals than Mason Cox. He's currently got <laughs> 13. He's currently got. Cox has been injured. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Tom McDonald's been. He's currently got 11 goals in 13 games. Mason Cox. Jeez, hold on bad. one sec. Yeah, it's ordinary. <laughs> he's, he's played number one forward for all of those games. <laughs> Mason Cox has 12 goals in eight games. Much better. Much better, you dickhead. But, you know, you, it is, uh, it's more possible that Tom McDonald you, comes home like a house you, on fire than Costa. You're, you're only as good as your last game, Scott. That's my <laughs> motto. <laughs> Not Shocking your next game, your last game. <laughs> what do we talk uh, about the Melbourne game now, Banjo? Moving on to it? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. So, you've won by 14 points. What was okay. the story? Uh, it was actually yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, forgot to transition again. Yeah. <laughs> It was a properly good win, Banjo. It was, uh, wasn't on our terms early on. Quarter time, the stats were they were destroying us in the clearances and in the contested ball, which is obviously extremely un-Melbourne. Um, but yeah. we, had, we, we did seem a little bit cleaner. Like We were holding on to the possession better. We, we had a lot more uncontested marks. We were using the ball a lot better than we had been. And so we kind of stayed in the game till quarter time. And then it was just a real armor wrestle for a couple of quarters. Just quite a good game of footy. It wasn't a super pretty game, but it wasn't ugly either. It was just a, it, it was quite a good tough game of footy. And then it kind of felt like we were going to break it open for quite a period. Just didn't quite get there. And then in the last quarter, it was Tom McDonald who was the one who sort of put the sealer on it and came away with a a good a good win. So I, I, it was quite a satisfying victory as a supporter because of the fact that you felt like we really had to earn it and work for it. It's your first satisfying victory of the year, isn't it? So that uh, must be nice. 
Yeah, like early on when we got occasional, like if we got the win against Sydney, it was just kind of a relief of like, oh, our season's still alive. Where <laughs> this is just like, ah, oh, good to get a win. The uh, people talk, well. people talk a lot about Viney, who was good, really good. Like, oh, it's good to see him return to form a bit. Yeah, he's, he's still Viney. Like, he still had some real, like he's he's just he's a bull, and I get that, and I love him for that, but. He's not a clean footballer at all. And there were still moments like that. It's just, he, he got back to his, he had a couple of his things in like a stoppage where he did like a spin out of traffic and then like got it on the boot or whatever. And it was like, oh, that's Viney. That's his best kind of. But like, mm. he, well, I didn't think he starred by any means. Uh, Maxwell eventually was very good. Uh, I loved Petrarca's last quarter. Brilliant oh, last quarter. Really set up some play. I, I think he's had a good year track. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I think we it's do need to uh, change our sort of view to Frio. They've had a shocking week. Hogan, how serious is that injury? Uh, it's not as serious as I originally thought. It's not the navicular. It's just like a midfoot sprain or something. I, I don't know okay. what the. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but it's not. It's not a disastrous injury. Uh, they also had Hill go down, but that's not surprising. Stephen Hill. Maybe. No, he was a great pickup for my fantasy side. Two 30-point games. I'm not better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, Frio weren't bad. As I say, it was it was it was wasn't it was a reasonable sort of game. Um, and yeah, they had a few injuries go against them, and they eventually sort of they they eventually just became a little bit too much for them, and we ran over the top of them. They, they weren't bad by any means. The Walters uh, suspension could hurt them, depending on. I'll see who they've got next week, but they're appealing that. Oh, that's true. That's true. So yeah. it might not matter. They've, 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 all, they've also got Carlton, so who cares? Um, did you see that little? Uh, have you been up to date with that little passage of play with the headbutt and then the Nathan Jones incident? Following I don't know that? what the Nathan Jones incident is, but uh, when I looked a... at the headbutt, I couldn't figure out which bit he headbutted him in. It looked like he just wanted the thing where you just get your face up in his face and kind of tap him on the head a little bit. It looked like absolutely nothing, unless there's some other footage we're missing. Yeah, I, thought, well, I looked, I looked at it on my phone, and I, I honestly couldn't tell. Because I'm pretty sure Lockhart pushes him at one point. Yeah. And then and I, he, then there's like two points where they get close to each other, and I can't tell which one's which. Yeah, which he is kind of just, the, it looks like he just gets in his grill, and then I, yeah, I guess he must have made some contact. It's a very Walters but, thing to do. but um. Yeah, this is a really damaging loss for them for their finals chances. They put a bit of daylight between them and Port and uh, Richmond, and if they had have won, they would have maintained it. And this weekend could have easily turned it into the two-game gap because yeah. Richmond had the bye and uh, Port had Geelong, but results just went absolute nightmarish way for them. Yeah, so they're still they're still sitting eighth, and they have a. Um, like a much better percentage. Oh, yeah, it's it's practically a win. That that won't get that will that's very unlikely to get yeah. covered. Yeah. Percentage. yeah. So I mean they're they're still in the hunt, but yeah, it would have been a massive win for them. I, as I was leaving, I was I said to my housemate, like, I nearly want Fremantle to win it. Like at least it would mean something. Nearly. <laughs> Once you get into the game, you don't quite feel that yeah. way. Do you but, still yeah. uh, do you still feel that way, or are you happy you won? I'm definitely happy we won. I'm definitely <laughs> happy we won. But I am a little bit upset for Freya. But yeah. I, I, I'm still backing them to make finals. I, yeah, I honestly think I think finals will be as is. I, 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 unless Richmond turn it around quickly, I think finals will be as is. So, yeah. 
Potentially, but I yeah. can't see anyone below Richmond getting in. So, yeah, anyway, let's we, move we, on. Richmond is still a wait and see. Can I just make a very quick comment oh, yeah. on another Melbourne player? Just just wanted to just give a little <laughs> shout out to Lockhart. He's he's all right. Remember early on, I was like, he's just clearly a VFL standard player. I do, he's so I far do. off it. He's quite good. He's playing like a high half forward role. He's getting a lot of the ball. His uh, pressure in the forward line's really good. He had a terrific game. At an absolutely brilliant game. Kicked a couple of really nice goals. And it was a sort of, he got dropped and went back to Casey and dominated and got back in, which is that that's a real good sign that it's someone who feels like he belongs in AFL level. So I just, I have to give him a pat on the back and say I might have been wrong on uh, Jay. I wasn't wrong on Kate Colachassi. I just want to point out that if you ever, you have never once indulged me on a North Melbourne win the way I did just then. So next time we get a good win, I think I'm going for 15 minutes uninterrupted. No, actually, 15 minutes with you contributing positive uh, responses. That's I'm allowed what I... to talk a lot about this game, Banjo. It was my two favourite teams, and then my favourite one won. I should be pretty happy. I should be pretty happy. Yeah, and then you should also not just be so grumpy when North win. But anyway, let's move on. Brisbane defeated St Kilda by 56 points. This was a shocking loss for St Kilda. Brisbane just destroyed them in a quarter and a half. Yeah, I, I really wanted to make this gold jacket, green jacket, just to troll all of the Brisbane supporters that always give us <laughs> shit. But I didn't. I was not. Because like, there has been some interest coming out of the game. Obviously, I, I spoke last week how I think the pressure on Richardson is just completely unfair. I think it's ridiculous. But it still yeah. exists. And there's and been extra added. Yeah, because was it Lethleen kind of didn't, wasn't too strong in his endorsement of him in a, chat about it like the messaging seems to be changing a bit there which is worrying a bit and then when you yeah back it up with a like 56 points flattered them in the end they were utterly flogged off the park yeah, it was it was out to 75 looking like it'd get to 100 yeah. they were just they were awful and they had they had did both Carlisle and Hanover return yep oh, yep did, they did yeah so they had a, was good. yeah which is wonderful for my dream team the opposite of uh Steve Hill. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but so they were slow. They started to get some reinforcements in, but they just, it didn't matter. They didn't show up at all. They they need Jack Steele back. They need Jack Steven back. Their midfield's just not up to scratch. They're not intense enough around the ball. They don't have the skills. They're, they're a long way off it. Steele's a bigger out than most people would realise. He's, uh, yeah. he's, their, he's their ball around the ball. Yeah, and they don't um, have he- anybody else that can yeah. fulfill that role. Hanabry is not that. Gresham's not that. Stevens not that. Seb Ross certainly isn't that. And that's yeah. it. Billings isn't that. That's all their midfield. They've got one guy who's an actual inside midfielder. The next closest would be Dunstan. And Dunstan is a inside midfielder, but not big enough to fulfill that role. Yeah. So he just gives them so much muscle in the stoppages that they just lack with important for them. I heard a uh, St Kilda supporter uh, call in on uh, SEN and have a like a massive bitch about Seb Ross. It was this thing. He basically said Seb Ross lost us the game with his kicking, which is like we've been saying that for quite a long time. Uh, yeah. Sam, Sam McClure was pretty, mate. Seb Ross did not lose you the game. There was a lot that you lost, lost in the game. Pick. But it was interesting to see St Kilda supporter kind of realise it because a lot of the St Kilda supporters love him just because he gets the ball. But like. Yeah, he's not, he's not a great footballer. He's an easy one to think really good if you just play super coach or something. Not super coach because I think yeah. that's just in kicking. 
yeah. AFL fan. There's a heap of, like, if you just look at the numbers, you'd think he was fine. But mm. he's just, he's a liability in so many aspects of the game. That, and the most important one. And, yeah, I, he's a problem. He's too high up their best players list for them to ever be good. That he needs yeah. to be. Yeah, at, I agree. He needs to be outside their top ten if they're gonna make the eight. Top ten's a lot, yeah. Like he's in a lot of ways, you kind of bank on him being like their best midfielder, which is that's that's bad. Like you're yeah. in a really bad position if you're doing that. And like there, there's almost some bones to that. Like they need a four to better, and to memory could be like, like and Max King could be. If Hanbury, Billing, Stephen, and Steele are all more important in the midfield, that's and Gresham, that's a good sign. And then Carla, and so you're almost there. They just need to fill out with three or four better players than Seb Ross, which shouldn't be that hard to do, but they've just struggled with. Yeah, just, like Jack Stephen has been their best player by a long way for quite a long time. So yeah, having him out is not ideal. No, but yeah. But uh, let's um, talk about my boys. Yeah. I was going to say that they are. Uh, they're very good at killing a game when they need to. When they've got momentum, they are a very they're an electrifying team, really. And the uh, the Charlie Cameron ro- uh, train just keeps on rolling. Like he's yeah, he actually, he's so he, much fun. He is so much fun. He, I don't think he's been as good as he was at the start of last year, but he's sort of rounding into form now. This well, could. I, I've heard it, discussions on the radio this week of is he the best small forward in the competition? Yeah, which is I, interesting I think considering that's ridiculous. Walters is arguably, well, I mean, like he, he is a small he, he, he forward. Call him a small forward. forward. One yeah, of the problems is anytime a small forward gets really, really good, they move into the midfield. Gresham's do, do, done that this year. Walters yeah. has done that sort of Hapley's on and off the last. Hapley started doing it. Yeah, like it's it's Cameron will be a permanent small forward. Just yeah, because he's probably maybe a bit too light. Probably, maybe. Yeah, he's a bit too light to be a midfielder, and their midfield's awesome anyway. So he could easily sort of get that by default just through Mm. weight of time there. But I think it's too early. He's in the equation for all Australians. He's in the Uh, equation. I don't think so. He's had quite a few games where he's just been non existent. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. When he's not good, he's not there at all. Yeah, I. I, I, It happens with small forwards. I feel like this is people getting seduced by his best games, not his consistent output. Um, but yeah, they're they're pretty much guaranteed finals, Brisbane, which is just well, they're what yeah. two games safe? Like that? Yeah, they're two games ahead of well, they're one game and a big percentage gap ahead of ninth. They need to win and, another five. Yeah, and they've got a really easy draw, which so that could yeah. easily like okay. I think that should yeah. happen. I'll, yeah, I would expect them to make the eight. I don't know if they're a certainty, but again, yeah, we do struggle to make an argument for anyone outside of the eight. Richmond, again, yeah. being the clear one. And then if they come in, you'd say Fremantle are probably more likely to be the team that drops out. So, yeah, there's still a little battle for the eight going on. But, yeah, Brisbane, uh, they're, they're exciting. They'll be good to watch in finals. Yeah, but let's move on to the top five. And uh, it's the end of the buy rounds, and I didn't make you do a full mid-year All-Australian team this year, 666. Six, six. <laughs> yeah, I forgot but about that. Yeah, that's right. You it... took over, yeah, you took over our top five segment just to do to slowly go through over three weeks our All-Australian team whilst killing the top weeks. five. It that was, was four weeks. Right? <laughs> that was an absolute disgrace. The, top the five only reason I didn't do it this year was because I forgot. Um, <laughs> In the spirit of it, we are doing top five 
prospective first year all Australians. I think there's quite a bit of flux in first, AFL. First time all Australians. First time, yeah, not yeah. first year. That never <laughs> that happened. Be impressive. Um, <laughs> so there's, I reckon, there's been quite a bit of flux in sort of who the best players in the league are. Uh, I think it's sort of a changing of the guard, yeah. and uh, I think we're just going to reflect on that and see who we reckon is going to make it for the first time. Uh, first time this year. Uh, do you have an honourable mention, or am I the only one with one? No, I do have an honourable mention, and you're going to laugh that he's not in my top five, but I, I will explain why. Uh, I've got Tim Kelly as an honourable mention. The, the, the reason being, like, I mean, he obviously Too will be Australian. <laughs> nah, it's not so much that. It's the, the play. A lot of the players who I have in there are players who I looked at and thought, surely they've been All-Australian before. When I looked at them, I was like, uh, oh, okay. they haven't. And I'm like, I, I, I like the idea of them coming in. Where Kelly's like, He's had one other year. Like, yeah. it, it kind of makes sense that he's. So you've arbitrarily just decided yeah. that's not your criteria. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not as fun. <laughs> that's what yeah. it comes down to. Uh, this <laughs> is the most five. most classic plebs top five <laughs> we've had. What? Uh, what my honourable mention is Matt DeBoer. I think he would oh. and should have been all Australian, but he's hurt for eight weeks, so he's not going to make it. So. Like, uh, I think he's been such an exceptional tagger that he probably should be in consideration. Is but he's like no the, chance. Is Crowley like the only tagger who's made All-Australia before? Yeah, probably. But I, I think mm. that's... I, I think that's not right. I think if yeah, you do an exceptional job that. as a tagger, you probably should be recognised. Yeah, you can definitely argue that. Anyway, my number five. <laughs> I didn't tell you I was going with this one. You're going to enjoy it. Caleb Daniel, number five. <laughs> enjoy not... it. That's, that's how you think I'm going to approach it. <laughs> it's not inconceivable. I mean, the halfback role, there aren't a heap of them around. And he has been one of the best at it. I, I think he's a chance. I reckon mm. he'll be in the squad. I reckon, yeah, he, maybe. I don't think that'd be right. But maybe. I reckon Hooley, Lloyd, just because of his numbers, Tom Stewart. I think he's still behind a few even this year. Hearn. But Hearn, yeah, of course. Hearn, obviously, he's playing yeah. a bit taller, although so is Tom Stewart, so that doesn't matter. Yeah, um, that, that doesn't affect the All-Australian selection. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> just pick the best players in that kind of kicking yeah. role back. But, uh, no, I, I, Caleb, as I told you before, apparently on your favourite kicking data stat thingamajiggy apparently one of the best kicks in the competition so you're wrong i believe that when i actually see it also my thing is not that he's a bad kick it's that he's such a defensive liability it's not where he should be playing oh you've said that he's his kicking doesn't get them anywhere you said he's a bit of a jake lord that's true i stand by it just disagree with all it's saying is that he hits the kicks at a higher rate than they're normally taking not that he tries damaging kicks don't, don't... Uh, he does don't, that too, Andrew. My eyes tell me that as well. Anyway, what's your five? <laughs> Ricky Henderson. He's been no, really no, good. No, I, I actually, that didn't even cross my mind. That's a good one. Well done. He's averaging 30-odd touches a game. He's been fantastic. This is a fantastic story. He's come from being delisted by Adelaide. Not in an egregious decision. Like, he could have, they could have kept him around, but it wasn't unbelievably shocking that he did get delisted and he's just built up and built up at Hawthorne and now he's their best winger and they've got Isaac Smith still Tom Scully and he's clearly their best winger I think it's possible that people will do what I did and just forget he exists but if they do remember him absolutely I'm very, I'm very excited for a grey-haired All-Australian Averaging as someone heading that 
as someone heading that way myself, it's nice to be represented. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Banjo. Uh, my number four, this is a pretty easy one. We can get through this quickly. Uh, Darcy Moore at number five, at number four. Yeah, he that's a good there. one. Hey, I, I would probably say this year he's been the best key defender, I would say. I he's think right he, up there. How many games has he missed? Uh, not that many. As he, he's only missed two or three, hasn't he? I think. But I don't know. I just I love his impact on a game. He just he has presence. You know that Darcy Moore is in the defensive fifty and he just makes it hard for every attacking play for the opposition. And he's been massive for them after they had struggles with getting their back line together last year. Having him locked down in that Collingwood back six has made a massive difference to Collingwood. So I yeah, I'm he's only missed two, so he's he's got a couple yeah. more before he starts worrying. Um yeah. Yeah. I just went a different key defender. Phil Davis, he's been so good for so long. He leads the league in intercept marks, or he did three weeks ago, according to the article I read. Um, And, yeah, he's just a fantastic defender, and I think he deserves recognition. Yeah, I just don't know if he's been better than he has been. I think he's been consistently excellent the whole time. It could have been a number of years. The fact he hasn't got it before makes me wonder whether he'll get it now is the only thing. Yeah. I just think at a certain point, like Alex Keith doing one year doing mm. the same job, why would he why should he be recognized over Phil Davis who's been doing it for a heap and is doing just as good and arguably a better job with the intercept marking. Uh, I I I'm I could quite easily see this year just being here are the new guys, let's give them a go. They've just like in the same way like when Will Minson got a ruck all Australians. Just he finally had a good year, and he was the new guy. So let's throw him in there. So uh, I, I think it should be the guys that have consistently performed. Phil Davis has consistently yeah. performed. Okay, reward him, I guess. Uh, three for me. Lockie Neal hasn't been all Australian before. Yeah, I was that does surprise. I, I thought he would have snagged it one year. He's been, how many times has he been BNF at Fremantle? It, it's a funny thing we say uh, that every year five injured. <laughs> We say that there's a uh, Victorian bias, and that's why we haven't been paying attention to Neil at Frio. But now he goes to Queensland, which is probably more irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're talking about it. And look, he has been better this year. This has been his best year. But it's not by uh, that big a margin. Uh, he had a great year like three years ago for Frio. Yeah. Year five went down. The problem was they were ordinary when five went down, and they sort of dropped out of the limelight. He um, absolutely but- deserves all Australia. Just, yeah, I agree. I agree overall, but he has started sort of dropping off. He has he, a little I bit. I think he's got to return to a lot closer to his early season because his first six or seven weeks were he's best player the, the competition player, stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the last, the second half of what we've had so far has just been a good player, not, or like a very good player, not. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah like I know. Feel real elite. And yeah. On balance, I kind of agree with you, but given his recent forms trended down, I left him off my list. My three, Walters. Uh, don't think you'll disagree with me on this one. <laughs> of course Walters is going to be in there. He's another one. How has he not been All-Australian before? Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to sort of look back at it. Because I, I, he hasn't really been in the discussion that much. Like, has he been in the squad? Uh, like I, I don't know. I would, I would be surprised if he hasn't been. I, I, he has been an absolute star for five yeah. or six years. He really he has. Been. Doesn't feel like he's been that close. It always feels like it's been Eddie Betts, then Cyril, and then someone else, and like it's been it's clearly because, the next one. 
It's because Eddie's had a monopoly on the small forward spot. That's yeah, but they're tough. supposed to be two or three in an All-Australian side. Uh, and he's, he's, he's more, yeah, but he is more of a half-forward than Betts is, given his yeah. place high But they'll, they'll put him in the pocket just because it's a spot they need to fill. Which is <laughs> so, hilarious. He's been pretty much a midfielder this year. He'll definitely be in. My number two, Cornelio. Absolutely robbed of all Australian last year. I think it's he was even in the squad last year, remember? And that was just like what? He, he's that was shocking. He's every chance to win a brown low. Like he, he's a star. He's an he absolute. Star. He's he's, um, he's yeah, obviously because he's not been all Australian, not the best GWS player. That's pretty conclusive. <laughs> but yeah, he's pretty good. Although to be honest, he's had quite a few. He's been very inconsistent this year. He's been either no, he's either been playing like as good a game you'll see, or just been good. He 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 had a couple of mediocre games where he came back from injury. Yeah, maybe it's more recent than anything. But like he had games where he had thirty six and kicked three, and then others where he's had just like twenty four and not been not been that impactful. I reckon you're being a bit harsh, Banjo, but of course you are because he's my boy. So yeah, and to be honest, when they played North last week, I thought he had he had monster numbers, but I twenty seven and two. But I thought he was not one of the best three players on the ground. So I think well, he's sometimes a bit more of a hollow stats man. Is well, I, I think you're absolutely wrong. So there you go. Tim Kelly's so, my two, inarguable. Yeah, fair enough. Might, <laughs> might might be the best player in the competition. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're both certain he's going to win a Brownlow, so... Yeah, well, my two are my two Brownlow bets, so... So, um, you've got Cunnington one? No, no, no. I've got, I've got Wait, Sonny at number one, of course. There's no Cunnington. He's not going to make it. What do you think he's going to make it out of Cornelio and Lockie Neal and Caleb Daniel, mate? Yeah, Ridiculous. given his... <laughs> Caleb Daniel <laughs> plays a completely different position, so... Not really. No, I didn't just... fit Tim Kelly in. How am I going to fit Cunnington in? Well, Get I don't know. I, I, I just thought you Is might it... have the guys that leads the league in contested possessions and clearances. You know, the two most important stats in the game. Oh, oh, sorry, goals you. is my goals. I'll give it goals are the most important stat. But after that, the second and third most important stats, and he's the best in the league at it. I tell you, he is a chance to be all Australian, but he's not in the top five contenders out of the first time all Australians. He's not. That's just ridiculous. I, I didn't have any doubts about that at all. Did you have him at one? Did you? Of course, I did. Makes it pretty clear he's not elite when he's never been All-Australian. But anyway. Oh, does that apply to Cornelio? Is this, did, are you just agreeing with me? Oh, he's a bit younger than Cunnington, mate. He hasn't had much chance. Cunnington, how old's Cunnington now? He'd be up 30, wouldn't he? Really? I thought he'd be older. Yeah. No, it's like two years difference in age. Yeah, well, in those two years, Cornelio will have three Australians. Anyway, let's move on from the top five, Banjo. Yeah, the next game, the big game of the round, Port defeated yeah. Geelong by 11 points. It's an absolute massive win for Port. Yeah, God, I wish I could say I watched it, Banjo. <laughs> just let me down. Just letting me down. Uh, but I can say that I tipped it, which I'm very proud of. It was one of most of the time my tips are just a gut reaction. This was one of those games <laughs> which I was really unsure. I really thought through it, factored in home ground advantage, the fact that I think Port are quite a good team. Few good ins, bit of momentum behind them, and obviously the Geelong buy issue. And I ended up tipping it, feeling pretty confident about it. 
And uh, they they won it by, what, 11 points? But they were well on top all night. The game was yeah. on their end all night. And at no stage did it really look like Geelong were going to make much of a run at them. So that's a, a pretty damn impressive win for Port Adelaide. When they have all their midfield up and going, there's a lot of substance there. Um, and we've... They have had plenty of injuries there recently. And yeah, and they've just... still sort of had a decent-looking midfield. Boke's been amazing. But once they get Rockcliffe, Wines, Gray's been playing more midfield recently, which has given them their type of, the point of difference they needed because they were a bit one-note without him. Uh, you know, and... I've been saying for years Robbie Gray should be a midfielder. And you've obviously been right that entire time. It's ridiculous <laughs> that Hinkley hasn't followed yep. the same... <laughs> Uh, path, but yeah, so their midfield bats quite deep with really good players, and they just need to get the balance right because they did shed a lot of their class in the uh off season and they've replaced it with kids, but they're not quite ready to take on the role. So I think it's been fantastic moving Gray into it, uh, back into the midfield pretty permanently. Amon's been playing sort of the back of stoppages, which I think has given them a bit more dash and aggressive ball use around there, although I think he's out next week. So I think Kinkley's done a pretty good job in the last few weeks with some pretty aggressive selections in reshaping yeah. Port. Paddy Ryder getting dropped it, it astonished me when I saw At, that. West off's bigger. West off, that, yeah, that's true. massive dropping. Um, and it's like, that's bloody bold from Hinkley. And you, you expect mm. he would have been really nervous heading into that game, having made these decisions. So to come away with a win is like, he'd be absolutely over the moon. Yeah, I'm really happy for him that it came off. Like, it, he would have been torn to shreds if they'd lost in absolutely. a way where they probably would have won with Ryder and West off him. But they got, they neither have been performing well enough to really yeah, warrant. Off, like, West off, they've been playing him. Key forward. Well, his whole year he's been, sorry, his whole career he's been almost like a winger, just plays wherever he wants. And he's been great at that. He's been a best and fairest doing that. They, I, when they first started playing him forward, I assumed it was just just waiting until Dixon came back. And when Dixon yeah. comes back, they'll free him up. But nope, when Dixon comes back, they drop him. So I, the I don't know. Was I he kicked, one of the problems was he kicked five goals in the first game he played as a key forward and kind of gave him false hope. <laughs> yeah, I remember. It was great. Um, but it gave me this sort of false hope that like, he was going to make it work. And it just hasn't. And yeah, they've got to get him back playing as that utility, just roaming player. Because it's what he's best at. He's one of the few players in the leagues that can do it. He's great floating back late in quarters to really shore them up. He's great sneaking forward to kick a pinched goal or two. And yeah, I think it's an absolute waste just tying him down. You've got to let that man roam. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how this all develops going forward because these are big big moves and they mm. worked initially so he's probably got to stick with it for a few weeks but you feel like there will be a bit of tinkering going on I suspect Westhoff will be back in at some point due to how well Lysett played Riders potentially won't but I mean I personally would rather play Ryder Ryder at his best is a dominant ruckman Lysett is a very good negating ruckman and you know. With how much I rate Ruckman, I would rather back in Ryder. But they're clearly not doing that. And they, that's been the yeah, case. Yeah, I, I think Ryder's just cooked in his ability to move around the ground. It's been interesting. Ah, Kane Corns yeah. in particular has been pushing this idea that they're going to, Ryder's going to leave and find a new home at somewhere like uh, GWS or uh, Geelong, of- according to Matthew Lloyd. 
flipping who's saying the things. But um, I can't see anyone going for Ryder if he leaves. He's 32 already. He's not. He's had a good serviceable career. One really good year, but yeah, I'm not sure he's worth taking a punt on at that age. His best as a tap ruckman was so good. And I just yeah. I value that so highly. I, I think someone would take a punt on him, but I, I, it could easily be a thing of we haven't seen him training. You know, like we it could be very clear that he's cooked as he trains. Therefore, they're like nah, n- no good. But where Even we still when he's resting forward and you see how he's moving, it just doesn't seem yeah, like sure, he's yeah. offering I, any presence. Not presence the wrong word because that's what he's been able to do occasionally take an overhead mark, but he's not been able to really create any space or anything like that. And that, that's a real problem for him. I suppose I construe that as a he's not a forward thing. And I saw how good he was as a tap ruckman. So I, I'd like to see him get that chance. But yeah, again, maybe. maybe he's getting annihilated in ruck drills at training by Lysett. <laughs> it's so, true. So who knows? And Ly- Lysett's fantastic at shutting or minimizing the impact brilliant. a tap ruckman opposing yeah. him will have. Uh, but anyway, for Geelong, it's just sort of a, a loss, isn't it? It's not. Well, much either way. It was ah, not an easy game and sort of their bogey, but do you take any yeah. take anything away from it, really? Well, I mean, I would say no if it wasn't for the bye thing, which is interesting. Now, that's been going on for too long now, and every time they come off a bye, they're what is it, talk- nine weeks in a row? Nine years uh, yeah, in a row? I think it's like 2012 or something like that. Yeah. They won a game after a bye, which is... And, like, and I that always includes think that- finals, I think. Yeah, it does. absolutely it does. Um, I, I always think that it's something which is, oh, it probably means nothing. And now it's been pointed out. They'll probably really get up and about for it and it'll be fine. But that mm. keeps happening and then they keep losing. So yeah, they've been, like, they've been talking about it for years. They lost to Gold Coast last year and they knew about it at that point. That'll be, so. it'll be a major talking point coming into finals this year. So, I mean, outside of that, I wouldn't be too stressed. But that's, that's interesting. That's a wait and see. Yeah, uh, but let's move on. Collingwood defeated the Western Bulldogs by nine points. Uh, pretty strong words coming out of Collingwood with Buckley just savaging their performance. Yeah, I feel like this game would have been much closer to a uh, gold jacket, green jacket if it weren't for Buckley's comments. Well, that's probably what he was thinking. He was like, you know what? This was just a just boring game. Not much happened. Let's Let's really get some media exposure. I'm going to say something wild. Yeah. It's the only explanation. It is funny because his messaging has been quite different. I remember after they beat Carlton in probably a similar sort of game in which they weren't on top for most of it and then they got over the line. Mm. I remember after that he made some big comments on, look, we see every game as a game that needs to be won. When we got to three-quarter time, there was a game on the line and we got the job done, so we're really happy with it. And then this one was probably almost a mirror image in a lot of ways. And now we're saying, no, we're not happy at all with the performance. It was the worst we played, all of that stuff. Probably just they've been doing it for six weeks now. Yes, yeah, so is one of the that. first ones. Like I, I understand that completely. I'd be getting annoyed. They have just been sort of almost pissing around for three quarters a game and getting the job done. But at a certain point, that's not going to hold up against the best sides in the competition. But they haven't actually had a great record against so far this year. So I, I think the, he's absolutely right to try and get them into gear now because. If he waits too long, it could just collapse on him and it could be a wasted year because they're so talented. Like, yeah, so, they have to be really doing everything in their power to win their flag. And any like, sign of uh, weakness is just 
a waste. For, from us looking in from the outside, it's very easy for us to say the thing of, I think Collingwood are awesome. I think it's amazing that they're getting over the line in these yeah. games. I think they'll peak at the right time. Like when you're just kind of a spectator, yeah. but when you're in the club, you have to do something to make yourself click. Yeah, right. it doesn't just happen. So Buckley, yeah, I, I, I still suspect they will, but I yeah. see that Buckley's getting frustrated and he's trying to put more on the players to, they've got to lift at some point. And we're getting, we're not quite at the business end of the season, but we're getting there and they can't wait too much longer or they might be in a little bit of trouble. Still yeah, sitting we're in sort of like the extended home stretch now. So you do want to start getting going. And now is the time to get your whips cracked and get in order. You've got about three weeks before you're sort of really just looking at the back end of the season. And, yeah, they've they've been just going for six or seven weeks now. And yeah. at a certain point they'll get caught out and might might cost them at the wrong time. I, I think Buckley's absolutely doing the right thing. Uh, for the dogs, though, they're just so bloody inconsistent. Like, that's a pretty good performance. <laughs> yeah, I'd be really happy with it. I actually, um, you know how much I, I, I do this all the time, I take the piss out of those uh, pre-huddle interviews that they do with the captain as they're running over. Oh, yep. They just give us absolutely nothing. This time I actually did find it quite interesting talking to Easton Wood. He, he, so he said, we've looked at some footage during the week and we can see the games which we play well and we're happy with, the ones where they just feel like a scrap and an arm wrestle at the start. So that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to bring that intensity around the ball, which is obviously the intensity stuff is. Yeah. say that every week. But it was really, like it got you into their mindset of they, they want a street fight. That's what the dogs want. And that's Which like is really interesting because that is what they did when they won the flag, but yeah. it didn't feel like that. It was kind of a lot of ways. It was kind of chaos ball, I guess. It was like yeah. it was just kind of ferocious and just see what happens. And they just got such confidence with it, and they just sort of steamrolled yeah. over the top of it teams with contested ball and that. But that's exactly what they got out of the game. They made it a scrap. They made Collingwood earn it, and like. They'd be very frustrated by the fact they can't score, which has been the case for a very long time. Even when they won the flag, they couldn't really score. Yeah, um, and they just sort of got hot at the right time with it. And this was 10-13 to 13-4. So, like, mm. they absolutely could have and probably should have won the game. But they'd still be happy with how the game tracked, I guess. Um, but when it comes down to it, the better team won and they'll be chugging along towards finals. Yeah, I do feel like this game is another sort of case in point for my theory that uh, the dogs have a clear ceiling on them while while uh, Tim English gets bullied this much. Like, yeah. Brody Grundy was so good, even though Buckley wasn't happy with him. Like, Tim English can do all he likes offensively, but he just can get exposed so badly going the other way I that it's just... Ruckman, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it, he had 25 disposals, two goals, 50 hit-outs, four Yeah, it's the first time that's up. ever happened. <laughs> Like, that's did, an unprecedented, unprecedented stat line. How did Buckley say he wasn't particularly happy with him? I don't know. He's just a grumpy man at the moment. But uh, can we go on to our Billy Gowers watch, Banjo? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. You've got some uh, big information for us, do you? Well, I do. So we need to do the stinger. It's time, Banjo, for Billy Gowers watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. So, Banjo, last couple of weeks, I've really dug deep. I get onto the Western Bulldogs injury report. I want to see where he's at because, obviously, the football world is just miserable without him playing. Yeah, I it's, go been, it's the... been tough for me to watch games without him there. Exactly. I, I go on to bring myself to do it. I go onto the Bulldogs website, 
And they talk about three players in their injury report. They have a little video on it where they talk about the three big names they want to talk about in their injury report. They talk about Dale Morris. He's a test for this week. That, that's fine. They talk about Brad Lynch and Fergus Green. And they don't mention Billy Gowers. And then you just have to read down right at the bottom of the article. They say, injury list, Billy Gowers, two to four weeks. What, why would anyone be watching the Bulldogs injury report apart from trying to get information on where Billy Gowers is at? You think you do it hierarchically. So clearly Billy Gowers watch. In all honesty, then you should probably end the video and start a new one because there's such a big gap between those players. But it <laughs> makes no sense for him not to be mentioned at all. Like, let's be honest. But their social media team probably needs maybe not to be sacked, but to go through some training. I call for sackings a bit too often. Who, who the hell is Fergus Green? I've never heard of him. Has he played a game? I initially thought he was the brother of somebody we went to school with, but uh, whose brother was called Fergus Green, spelt the exact same way with an E on the end of Green. So not... Like, I thought there was a pretty high chance, but no, this dude's from Ballarat. That's all I know about him, is that he's not somebody I thought I knew. I think we need to add enemies of the pod, whoever the fitness guy is at the dogs that does those videos. We should... <laughs> we should do a running sheet. Isn't the our enemies of the pod just going to be different people that have slandered Billy Cowers? <laughs> yep. I mean, that'll be a good chunk of it. There's no doubt about that. We'll, but, we should uh, give him his own section. Anyway, Banjo, it's uh, Poochie's mailbag time, I believe. Yes, it is. And uh, again, we forgot to ask the uh, wider plebs on footy uh listener base for questions and uh i think to be honest that's on you because you're the one at the back in australia and should be remembering i don't even know if we were doing it until i sent you a message last night i'm on holiday we're doing it every week all right i'll do it next week together i'll do it Um, next week so we've only got it from poochie and uh first up should the afl bring back state of origin during the buy rounds and make one showcase round even an aflx game with state league curtain raises I'm, I'm so sick of this talking point. Every bloody year when State of Origin is going on, we talk about it. There's always the old farts who say, we love State of Origin back in the day, let's bring it back. And then you have the modern people who are like, there's no way it can work because no one gives a toss about State of Origin, particularly the players. It's not going to happen. Give up. Even if it is AFLX, it's, it's not going to happen. I do want it to happen, though. I wouldn't mind it if it did, but it's it's going to be... Remember the last time they did the Victoria versus the All-Stars or whatever it was? And it was like... I remember they got a fair crowd there. But I remember yeah. there was a big moment in which I realised no one gives a shit about this game. When they yeah, had a Mexican I... football. <laughs> no one gives a toss. And I was like, this is never going to work. Yeah, I was just being very annoyed that Dad took me camping that weekend. I wanted to watch that game. and uh, but, it, but it was good uh, for... Brent Harvey was best on ground, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was. I do yeah, remember that. So for the last two ever State of Origin games, he's been best on ground. So only what a champion. I just, it's just not going to... I wouldn't mind it if they could make it work, but I just, it's just not going to happen. That's my opinion. <laughs> anyway, question for you, Banjo. Uh, should the AFL marketing team be sacked for the behavioural awareness officer debacle? This so clearly is right up. I can't believe he didn't ask, like, put my name in the title of this question. Uh, obviously, I want everybody sacked. Uh, but I don't think this is the marketing team's fault, to be fair. This goes higher up than that. This whole thing, the whole... Now, I know we don't particularly care, either of us, but the whole thing's been completely mismanaged, and I don't think there's a question about that. 
they just the messaging has been awful. I kind of get the idea that you want people to improve behavior, but it's just been terribly, terribly messaged. Like people that are abusing umpires are somehow the good guys in these stories. It just, yeah. It's not the marketing yeah. team that are the problem. It goes higher than that, but That's somebody should be held responsible for how badly this has gone. When there was these like crowd issues with brawls and stuff, there was all this thing that we need to crack down on behavior. Yeah, that was six weeks and ago. It, and then when it happens, people are saying, oh, no, you ruined our experience with the footy. No one wants to go to the footy anymore. I mean, it's just such a gold jacket, green jacket discussion. Yeah, this is completely anecdotal, but one thing I've noticed is every... So, like, a lot of women I've sort of seen talk about this issue have just completely rolled their eyes at all the uh, sort of fan defence of their behaviour, being like it's made them feel unsafe at the football multiple times. So that's just not something you can condone. Like, people feeling unsafe and such a large section of the population feeling unsafe is just ridiculous and should be addressed. Like, I'm, I am pretty much on the AFL's side with this. I just think it's been terribly hurt. Don't hear that often. Yeah. Like, I'm in with, with what they're trying to do. They are doing it terribly, so somebody should be sacked. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Final question, Manjo, you asking Yeah, me? this one's for you. Was Jaden Stevenson's punishment suitable? Should he have been suspended for finals? Good someone asked the question. We probably should have mentioned the old uh, Jaden Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, um, off-field issues aren't generally our go, to be fair. I've... I'd say more than not, I've heard people say the punishment was too lenient. Um, Stevenson's an absolute idiot. Like, God, that yeah. is so, so dumb. And he deserves to be hit with a book. But, like, 10 weeks is a massive penalty. Yeah, that it's is... more than Heath Shaw. And, like, like, it was 36 bucks. So, And I know you can't really take that into account, but that's not enough to make you feel do something corrupt at his pay packet, and he bet on himself and his team. So it's not like he was match, yeah. actually match-fixing. No, there wasn't one, at all. No, no one's one, suggesting. one thing that I think has been not handled well by the AFL is they kind of put it out there that he confessed to it completely of his own accord, owned up to it, and that was a factor in the punishment he got. Was that uh, I'm, I'm not really sure, to be, fit, to be honest. I've it's all sort of been melted into one with the way I've seen the story from yeah, over here. Yeah. But um, it's come out now that the Collingwood leadership group had to tell him to confess. And like that, that's... Yeah, apparently he cracked a gag to Jeremy Howe about how he cost him his multi. And Howe was like, um, <laughs> probably should speak to someone about that. Um, I like, but it does feel to me, 10 weeks feels like a massive penalty that's like really throwing the book at someone to make the yeah. point. I agree that they should have done that, but like I, I think just that is too lenient is a bit silly. Like that's a okay, big... it's it's just a it's just a bit weird that it ends exactly on finals. It, it's yeah, more right. like I don't have particularly have a problem with it. And to be honest, I have no idea how much I think he should have got. So it's hard for me to say whether it was too lenient or not. But ending like... just before finals is odd. Yeah. So, but yeah, anyway. Simple cut-off area. But yeah. anyway, final question for you, Banjo, off the Facebook page, Battle Situations with Unexpected Handicaps. Nicholas Cage. We love Nicholas Cage. It's good to have him. We do. Yeah. Everybody loves Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Nicholas Universally Cage. Universally adored. 
in the National Treasure Book of Secrets, but his head is on backwards and he's still adjusting to having his body facing the wrong way yep. versus Liam Neeson in real life, which is significant. Mm-hmm. But every time he blinks, he freezes instantly for half a second. Quite big handicaps, both of them. Yeah, I don't really... so how often do you blink? Oh, quite often. Every few seconds. I, I guess in a fight, you could sort of extend it out. You could consciously be like, I'm not blinking that much. You could, yes. But, but you would be... Yeah, so Nicolas Cage in National Treasure, Book of Secrets, is a few... It's a little while ago, so pro, more prime Nick Cage. Also oh, yeah. has more skills. Yeah, it was an adventure man. But jeez, yeah. how did he get on backwards? <sighs> I don't even, so that's I just right is left and left is right, right? There's... Backwards and forwards, you'd feel pretty comfortable with. No, man, so, mm. Do you have to walk to them like with your ass facing them, and then you like it's just. I, I think it would be really wacky. I, it would know, be tough I'm, to kick people. I'm and thinking punch I'm, people. Oh, very difficult. I'm thinking I'm going to go with Liam Neeson, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. The more I think about it, it's very tough to overcome. The head yeah, on backwards. I, I suppose if he keeps getting punched, he's going to be blinking a lot in reaction to that. Yeah, which ideal but like but, how is you how are you going to punch somebody with your yeah. back to them yeah like, it's, it's a, the, the, yeah. the mechanics don't really work yeah i i, I can't really empathize with it <laughs> believe it or not but I, I feel like that would be a significant impediment so i'm i'm going with liam Neeson. yeah well good dear just quietly before we move on one thing about washington it is unbelievable how big national treasure is there culturally it <laughs> yeah, came up at every it came yeah. up at every second uh, monument. Someone would make a national treasure joke. I went to see the Declaration of Independence and some guy asked, what happens when uh, the cage tries to steal it? And apparently it doesn't move anymore. It used to go into a vault, but it doesn't move anymore. So the things you learn. I actually don't think I've seen it. <laughs> oh, my God. You have to watch it. It's like, like, it's, the, it's like the greatest bad movie ever. I love yeah. it so much. I like I loved that movie as a kid. It was like that and the Librarian, which are practically the same movie. Just uh, love Nicky Cage. He's good fun. He's good. But fun. anyway, uh, that about wraps it up for the sixteenth episode of the fourth season of Preps on Footy Podcast. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>